Welcome into the Jock of All Trades podcast. It is Wednesday, October 26th, rivalry week here in Metro Detroit. We got Michigan, Michigan State. We're going to be talking pretty much all Michigan, Michigan State today, as well as adding in some content from college football and the current state of the NBA. Mike, how you doing, man? Nervous for Saturday. How are you? Nervous for Saturday as well about another game, but we'll get to that. So let's just get right into the U of M and Sparty stuff. So, um... I wanted to ask you some questions here, and I'll start with this. You know, State's offense against U of M's defense. You know, what are some of the key things that MSU's offense needs to do uh, to have success against U of M's defense, which is really good? Well, one of the things is we have to learn how to run the football. Mm -hmm. I mean, all year against good competition, we've had a terrible rushing attack. Yep. Um, And that's going to open up. You know, the throwing game, I think similar to 2020 with Rocky Lombardi, just chucking it downfield to your best receivers. Ricky White. Yep. Uh, find Keon Coleman, find Jaden Reed, you know, mm-hmm. get them the ball, get some big plays. I think we're going to need a lot of that to have any chance. You know, probably have to catch them by surprise with a few trick plays. You know that's going to happen regardless. Yep. It's really going to come down to the offensive scheme because they have a very good defense. So for me, you know, I think the most important thing, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you said about the rush game, but time of possession. Um, I've watched like every Spartan game this year, and I can't tell you the amount of times that they've gone back to back to back to back, three and outs, you know, um, you know, three downs and a punt, three downs and a punt, you know, three downs and a fumble. Like you've got to keep Michigan's offense off the field and um, you've got to control the clock. Um, Peyton Thorne cannot turn the ball over. Um, You know, if if that offensive, if State's offensive line lets, gets penetrated by U of M's, you know, linebackers or front four, um, it's going to force Peyton to, you know, scramble to get out of the pocket to make mistakes. Um, So they, like you said, like they have to rush the ball. I mean, that's I think you hit it right in the head. And I think you got to put it in the hands of your playmakers. Like get Jaden Reen involved. Like um, you know. Get him to have a Ricky White type game, 180 yards, you know, two or three touchdowns, you know, um, you know, take advantage of that secondary. Um, you know, they have some solid players on their secondary, but you know, can they, you know, Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed are, you know, two of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. You know, you know, can they stop them? Um, what MSU offensive players, or just singular player, need to have a good game and why? Like, like who do you look at as saying? We need him to play well on offense to even have a chance in this game. I think it comes down to Peyton Thorne and his receivers. Like you said, he can't have any turnovers. We have to win the turnover battle. You know, we we don't have much success running the ball, and I don't expect much success running the ball, so it's really going to come down to Peyton Thorne hitting his receivers, making the good throw, and his receivers getting open. Are you confident in Peyton Thorne having I mean, he's completed 65% of his passes. He's got 11 touchdowns, 7 picks. Like, I mean – He's nothing he, – he's not very good. No, and he came out and said he hasn't been healthy since the Western game, but he said he's finally healthy now. You know, we've seen him make big plays. He's had good games. Michigan last year was, he wasn't great, but he made the throws. Yeah, K-9 made him look good last yeah. year, for sure. Yeah, he made the throws when needed. So yeah. if he can just do that this year, the offense, you know, has a chance to put up some points. So for me, it's – and I'm going to go with – a unit and it's the offensive line. I think that's the most important part of this MSU team. The offensive line has been absolutely awful. Yep. And they're going up against a front four and linebackers that are, you know, 
it's one of the best defenses in the country. Um, granted, U of M hasn't played, you know, there was one team that, you know, we'll get into the Maryland game, but like they've played one good offense and they got penetrated by them. You know, Maryland, um, you know, I can just talk about it right now. Like Maryland um, uh, scored 27 points. They had 270 passing yards, 130 rushing yards. You know, they they gave Michigan a game. Can Michigan State do that? You know, you know, can they get to 130 rushing yards? I think they can. Why can't they? Like, I think, you know, Peyton Thorne can throw for more than 200, 270 passing yards. So um, the offensive line, though, is where it all starts. And if Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith and company get after him, I think it's going to be a rough game. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, okay, so like kind of flipping the script, what Michigan defensive player could cause problems for Sparty's offense, do you think? I would say uh, Junior Colson, the linebacker. You know, he's mm -hmm. got a nose for the football. Yeah, he's really good. He's every – he leads the team in tackles. He's yeah. always where the ball is. You know, yeah. his pass coverage isn't as good as his, uh, you know, rush-stopping ability, but he's – Gonna find the quarterback. He's gonna find the ball carrier, and he's, he's gonna, gonna really be, disrupt the offense. He's gonna be forced to cover, you know, Malik Carr and and Barker. And I agree with you. He's not really good in pass coverage, but he's all around the ball. For me, um, I think the obvious one is Mike Morris. He's leading the team with sacks. I think he has five sacks, which is crazy. Um, but I talked about it a few minutes ago. You know, can their defensive backs, um, Sandra still, which is crazy. He was a wide receiver last year. And they turned him into a DB, who's really good. Um, Moore and Moten, like, like can their Nakari Page, can they cover Keon and Jay Reed? You know, that's what it's going to come down to. And does Peyton Thorne have time to throw throw them the ball? If Peyton Thorne has time, I don't think they have a defensive back that can, you know, not only contain but cover them. Yeah. You know, if you got a twenty twenty ball in the corner of the end zone, Jay Reed showed it last week. He took that ball away from the guy and Keon Coleman's. Same. Four or five inches yeah. bigger than every defensive back they have. Yep. So if Peyton Thorne, you know, it, it, it sounds very fundamental, but if the offensive line holds them, if, you know, Peyton Thorne has time, if Peyton Thorne doesn't turn it over, and we're saying if because we haven't seen it yet this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you agree? Like, uh, No, I totally agree. Um, we started, I mean, even against Wisconsin, we didn't play a perfect game. Yeah. I mean, we found a way to win. Defense got a little healthier. Yep. Looked a little better, but... A little better. Is that enough to stop Michigan? Yeah. I mean, hopefully this this bye week has given them time to not only get healthier, but, um, you know, study, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you think Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson are going to attack this U of M defense? Because to me, I don't think Michigan State, like they had an identity last year. Their identity was Kenneth Walker. Exactly. You knew that they were going to run it down your throat. And if you stopped him, which nobody could, they were going to air it out to guys like Jaden Reed, to Jalen Naylor. Like, they had an identity last year. There's no freaking identity on this team. Like, they don't – They it's running back by committee, which I don't know why they don't give it to Simmons more or they don't, um, you know, let Collins run more. It's been, it's been you know, Berger and Broussard who've been Four terrible. Four-back committee. Yeah. So there's no running backs. I mean, like, they have backs, but it's there's no identity. You know, none of their wide receivers have stepped up. Jay Reed was hurt. Hopefully he steps up Saturday, but – you know, how do you think Tuck and Jay Johnson are drawing up the offense um, against this defense that's really good? Um, I mean, you touched on it earlier, but find a way to get Jaden Reed the ball, yep. whether it be passing it to him deep, you know, short passes, screen passes, or even just end arounds. Just get the yep. ball in his hands and let him be him. He, um, he has 
he has the ability to take over a game, and you know no you use him early, that opens up other receivers. You know, yep. you, Keon Coleman, he's great. Trey Mosley is pretty good. And, you know, I, I I have a feeling we're gonna see Jaden Reed double teamed a lot, and I think that you're gonna see you know you got to have you know where's Montori Foster been all year? You know you know where's Trey Mosley been? You know are the tight ends gonna step up? You know, Barker's the tight ends a, need to step up. They have a mediocre pass coverage for their linebackers. Yeah, so. I mean, so we'll see what happens there, but I. They got to find an identity. Hopefully, that they can just get it in there. You know, hopefully Peyton Thorne has time to air it out, and you know, hopefully they, you know, give Jaden Reed the opportunity to make plays. Um, so, kind of flipping it around again, you know, what holes do you see in that Michigan defense, if any? Because I watched some videos today. I watched some tape today. Um, you know, granted they haven't played anybody. I mean, I still don't. I mean, I think the best team they played is Maryland. I think. I mean. Um, uh, I don't think they've, I mean, I mean, like besides Maryland, they haven't played one good offense. So, um, you know, do you see any, any, any holes on that Michigan defense that, you know, Sparty can take advantage of? I would say their pass coverage. I mean, you said Maryland passed all over them. Even yeah. Spencer Petrus for Iowa, he had 250 passing yards against them. So, He's terrible. Yeah, so Peyton Thorne, you know, he has the ability Ooh, to put up yards. You know, we yeah. have the receivers who can get open, same with the tight ends. So... Passing is really what's going to give us a chance in this game, if any. And that kind of surprises me because um, uh, U of M normally is is really solid on defense and and like they're like secondary. Um, you know uh, that 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 kind of surprises me that that could happen because they've always had a solid secondary. Um, they're they're scoring well, so, like 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 so. Let's flip it completely. U of M's offense against MSU's defense, and, you know, U of M has been, and again, I try and taper this because they really, I mean, like, they haven't played anybody except really, I don't even know if you can say Penn State, because Penn State, to me, is extremely overrated, but, you know, Maryland played really well against them. Um, Michigan's rushing offense is really good. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh that's what scares me in, in this game because um, state's defense is not good. So, um, you know, well, what are some of the things that you can see U of M having to do to, you know, have success? I mean, and I think it's obvious the secondary or, you know, their pass game against state secondary, but um, they're, but they lean on their run game. Yeah. So, well, they, they can pretty much do anything they want. If they rely on the pass, we have one of the worst, Pass defenses in the whole league, so yeah. you know McCarthy could put up 300 yards that way. But if they decide to run, which is what they've been doing, they have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They have Corum, who yeah. you know I don't want to he's really near good. Kenneth he's Walker, really but he's really good, he's and really I can good, see yeah. him putting up you know 200 yards and three touchdowns if they rely on that run game. Yeah, I think. Um, JJ just has to avoid trying to do too much, mm-hmm. you know, avoid turnovers because yep. it seems like pretty much once a game he makes that one mistake. It's just a matter of can Michigan State take advantage of it and will that make a big difference? So for me, you know, it's obviously no secret that, you know, State has gotten healthier up front and they have a decent front seven. You know, you got guys like Slade and Linden and Halliday, who's, who's Cal Halliday's had a really good year so far. Um, their secondary is the second worst in the Big Ten. They're in the bottom third of the whole country, and that's coming after a year where they were dead last in the whole country yeah. in the secondary, and that's what scares me. U of M, you know, they're eighth in the country with their rush offense. Um, 
I fully expect them to, you know, run the football and run it well. Because like you said, I don't remember the name of the offensive line um, award. They won Joe last Moore, year. maybe. It might be the Joe Moore award. I, I could be wrong, but they won it last year, and their offensive line is better this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like JJ's had all day to pass it. Um, their rush offense has been, I mean, like between Corum and Donnie Edwards, it, it's just, it, it's disgusting. And um, you want to hear a crazy stat? They they're averaging more rush yards per game than pass yards, two hundred and forty to like two thirty seven or something like that. I mean, yeah. w- when do you ever see a team average more rushing yards than pass yards? That never happens, especially I, in today's yeah, in, in, absolutely, it's crazy. Um, you know, with looking at U of M's offense, you know, I think they're going to have success. But what what player do you think? or players need to have a good game and why for them to really stick it to Sparty? Well, I'm going to say Blake Corum yeah. because I don't I don't trust J.J. completely yet. Yep. If they have to keep it in his hands, I don't know. I feel like he can make mistakes, but Blake Corum is not going to make mistakes behind that offensive line. They're yep. going to get their push. He's going to fall forward every play. Yep. I mean, like I said, he could get 200 yards and three touchdowns because, I don't know. We have a good front seven. It worked last year, but do we have enough to stop him again this year? See, you know, what player has to have a good game, and I do say J.J., because I think if he doesn't have a good game, I think that's where Sparty, you know, could take advantage. You know, um, does Winman and Slade and Halliday and company get pressure on him? Uh, highly unlikely, but, like, if he gets forced out of the pocket, he's going to be forced. He, he very well, you know, could make a mistake. He could throw a pick. He could fumble. He did it last year in East Lansing. Um, JJ has to protect the football. That's the bottom line for me. He, he cannot fumble. He cannot throw a pick. If he protects the football and they're rushing, you know, in the rushing game, it doesn't change. I don't think this game will be close. Um, I think him turning it over puts Michigan State in, you know, the running to win the game. Um, so flipping it, what MSU player um, do you think could cause problems for them? Um, you know, whether it's in the secondary. Um, you know, in the middle of the field, the linebacker, the front four, you know, your thoughts on that? I'd say Jacoby Winman. You know, he he can get to the quarterback. He's yep. got five and a half sacks this year, and he's also forced six fumbles, which leads the nation. He, you know, can get to the quarterback, disrupt that backfield. That's what we need to have any chance in this game. And he's got to, you know, also push that offensive line, or at least be a big part of it, you know, to stop the run. But we're going to need him to have a big game and hopefully force a turnover. Or two, or three. Um, uh, For me, you know, Cal Halliday, he leads the team in tackles. He's got to be just like, um, who was the guy from Michigan? Um, Not Mike Morris, the other one, who's all around the ball. Um, This year? Yeah. Junior Colson? Yeah, Junior Colson. He he, he reminds me of Junior Colson. He's always always there. He's always making plays. He's been solid this year. You know, can Xavier Henderson, you know, have a breakout game? He, you know, he came back from injury against Wisconsin. He had another week off to get better. Um, you know, can he be that leader and, and you know get a big pick six or, or or just get like a big red zone pick? Um, uh, Ken Winman, like you just said, can he force a fumble or two? Um, you know, can he disrupt them? Uh, those three guys in my eyes, Halliday, Winman, and and X Xavier Henderson are you know they must have a good game. Um, talking about U of M's offense, you know. You know, Jim Harbaugh has kind of, you know, given the reins to Sharon Moore, um, who stepped up in Josh Gaddis's place, who's been absolutely awful for the University of Miami. Um, but I digress. Um, 
how, how do you think they're going to attack MSU? Do you think that they're just going to pound the ball like old school Big Ten, or do you think that they're going to be an air raid? No, I think they're, gonna, they're just going to try to run the ball down MSU's throat. I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh remembers McCarthy's fumble last year, and he's not going to try to be cute this game. He's yeah. just going to, if it, if it's working, he's going to keep doing it, and they might run 75%. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, if their offensive line is, you know, is containing and, you know, and, and the gaps are there, they're just, I think that they're going to, it's going to be old school Big Ten football, jam it down your throat rushing, um, and make you make tackles, make you get pressures. But then if State does get pressures and, and you know, um, like if they are getting to JJ um, or if they're getting to Corum and, and uh, Donnie Edwards, they have so many playmakers on that team, it's ridiculous. You know, Ronnie Bell's having a great year, Roman Wilson, uh, Schoonmaker's having a great year. Um, you know, of, of course, Corum and Edwards, like, their offense has so many playmakers. And behind that offensive line, it's hard to think that, you know, U of M doesn't, you know, take it to them, right? Yeah, that running game is going to open up the passing game, and they're going to beat us two or three times for 40-plus yards. And On paper, they're scary, very yeah. scary. And yeah. I can't imagine what State's coaches are like watching the film because it's got to be like, oh, shit. You know, our secondary, our, you know, uh, man. Um, you know, and uh, lastly, what holes do you see State's defense that could get exposed? And, you know, again, the obvious one is, like the one glaring and staring us in the eye is obviously the secondary against U of M's playmakers. But, you know, um, what other holes do you see that could get really exposed by U of M? I'm going to say our depth. You know, we still have a lot of people banged up, so if – Someone is needs to come out, needs a rest. Who, who's the next who's guy up? And can yeah. he make a play? Yeah. Like we have big name players on defense, but when they get tired and they need a breather, I don't know if we have someone who can come in and just make the same type of impact. For me, it's not really where the holes are. It's what guys are going to step up. And I, I said it before. You know. You know the four big names. You know, Winman, Slade, Halliday, and, and Henderson need to have a good game. You know, Gross. Um, and speed cannot get exposed. You know, they like they got to contain. They got to finish tackles. Like, play fundamental football, and they'll be fine. But someone, you know, they need guys to step up against that offense to even, you know, like be in the running for this game. Um, so, so let's go to keys of the game. And and when I say keys to the game, you know, three keys. So we'll start with Michigan State. Um, you know, what are like three things? You know, from offense, defense, or special teams. Um, that you think has to happen for MSU to win and pull off the upset in Ann Arbor on Saturday? I'm going to say force turnovers and don't turn the ball over. I mean, we have to win the turnover battle, and we don't – I don't. I think they're going to outskill us. Yeah. So we can't turn the ball over and just give them free opportunities. We have to take advantage of every drive we have. Next, I would say we have to find some type of success running the ball. Yeah. We can't just pass every play, and, you know, the pass is going to open up the run, hopefully, but we need a balanced offense in order to win this game. And lastly, I'm going to say be cautiously aggressive. And what I mean by that is don't be afraid to do a trick play. Don't be afraid to do, you know, a fourth and two at, like, the 50-yard line. Go for it, yeah. Yep. I mean, they, like I said, they have more talent right now, but let's outcoach them. Let's win with strategy and execution. So for me, I, I can't stress the importance of time of possession. And I, I think that if you're, you know, 
doing three and outs on offense and, you know, U of M's offense is on the field, you know, and the, you know, T.O.P. is, you know, uh, um, 24 minutes to six, like it was last week for, you know, Penn State, Michigan, or uh, two weeks ago, you know, in the first half, U of M was on the field, their offense, the time of possession was 24 minutes to six. I mean, that's a recipe to get smoked, and they smoked them. Um, State has got to convert third downs. they got to, you know, manage the clock well. I, I think that's the most important thing. Um, secondly, someone's got to step up, you know, who's, you know, does Peyton Thorne have a coming out party and win a big game? You know, um, does Jacoby Winman continue to, you know, have two or three sacks and maybe a forced fumble or does X come up with a big pick or does Jaden Reed ball out and go for 180 and three touchdowns? Like someone's got to step up and make a play because like you said, they're more skilled than you are. Someone's got to step up. Um, and, um, uh, you have to stop. You have to stop their rushing game. You, 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 you because if you stop the rushing game, JJ is going to be forced to pass it. And I, I just think it's a recipe. Even though state secondary is bad, I just think you know JJ really hasn't faced any adversity really in his career um, yet. And I think that they can force him to make mistakes. So you know, force JJ to make mistakes, and you know, state can definitely get a win. Um, so spinning it around on Michigan, um, obviously they're the better team. You know they're the you know number four team in the country. I think. Um, uh, what do they have to do to get the win against Mel Tucker for the first time? Well, like we've been talking about the whole time, they have to run the ball. Yep. That's where they're going to find their success. They have to stick to it and don't be too cute. Uh, next, they got to take away the pass and force MSU to find a way to run the ball. Um, obviously, our strength, if you want to call it that, yeah. is passing. So take that away. Force yep. us to win another way. Number three is don't look ahead and act like this isn't a rivalry to you. It obviously is. Take it personal. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I, like, yeah, stop pretending like you don't care or else Michigan State's going to come in and they might beat you on your home turf again. Again, yeah, and do what they normally do. Um, I would say, I mean, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think their game plan is pretty easy. I, I think it's relying on your playmakers. You know, Blake Corum's been great all year. Um, Donovan Edwards has been great all year. Ronnie Bell. And then on defense, they have studs all over the place. So rely on your playmakers to make plays. Um, if Blake Corum has a, a Kenneth Walker-like performance like last year in East Lansing, you know, the five touchdowns and the 200 yards, like, the game's over. Um, uh, secondly, J.J. McCarthy cannot turn the ball over. He's got to protect the football. He's, he's been known to fumble. Um, he, he's been known to, you know, make dumb mistakes. Um, he cannot turn the ball over. And lastly, if their front seven is all up in the face of Peyton Thorne and State's offensive line gets penetrated and Thorne's, Thorne's got no time to throw and, they're, and, they're, and, and, and they got, you know, a couple third and 14s or third and 12s, like, I mean, U of M's got the game locked up. The offensive line for Michigan State has to play really well. Um, so with all that being said, let's get to the predictions. So... Um, so game time is 7.30 in Ann Arbor. Um, it's obviously already sold out. Um, the weather is supposed to be really nice. I, I think it's going to be a little chilly. It's going to be high 40s, low 50s, but it's going to be dry, which works in the favor, I would say, of Michigan. Um, uh, right now, the line is, it just went up to 23. It's been holding steady at 21, 22. It just went up today to 23. Um, uh, the big house is going to be packed, 110,000 strong. I asked you this a uh, you know a while ago, for Michigan Michigan State games in Ann Arbor, you know the big house seats, you know 110,000. 
How many of those are Michigan State fans, do you think? This year, 25,000 yeah. or so. Because State sucks? Because we suck, and a lot of State fans probably sold their tickets, but a lot of them probably bought. And Michigan's really good. Yeah. You know, so, so, so this year you think, out of the 110, 25,000 Spartan fans there? So I would say so. A little less than 25%. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, so what is your prediction? So, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be in the 50s, 7.30 on ABC. I assume 7.30 ABC, that's going to be uh, Herb Street and Fowler are probably going to be on the no, show. No, it's actually the... Oh, it's Sean McDonough, yeah. Trouble you told with me the that. Snap yeah, you told me that. Yeah, it's yeah. the same crew as Trouble with the Snap. Got you. So... You heard it. Lions twenty three. The overs fifty five. You know what is your prediction for the game and why? So I can see this game going two ways. One, it's a blowout and Michigan wins by twenty plus. Yep. Or two, it's a close game. You know, and the emotion keeps Michigan State in it and they somehow win. Yeah. I think it's going to be the first one. I think Michigan's going to come prepared. They don't want to lose again. They're undefeated. They got their eyes set on. They want to go to the playoff. Yep. They're not going to let Michigan State try to get in the way again. I think Michigan wins 41-20. So State covers then, but covers. still still loses. Um, so I said it earlier, U of M's averaging more rush yards than pass yards, which scares me. Um, they're coming off of the burial of Penn State where they had 400 rushing yards. State's also coming off a big win at home against Wisconsin. Um, they both had bye weeks. I think to me, and it might sound weird, but a, a big part of this game that I didn't hit on earlier is is the whole kicking situation. Oh, God. You know, U of M's U of M has, I think the best. You know, he's from Northfield, Michigan, the best kicker in the country. I who I hope is on the Lions next year. Um, State does not have a quality kicker like Jake Moody uh, is unbelievable, and I I think that might be a big factor in this game. Not um, only can we not kick it, we can't even get the snap down. We almost lost last week to Wisconsin because we couldn't put the snap down to win the game in regulation. Special teams, yeah. And that's happened against Maryland. It's happened multiple times. Yeah. If you miss out on points like that, you're not going to beat Michigan. Nope. I don't even want to kick a field goal. I want to go down and score touchdowns if you're going to score. You have to. You have, you have to convert. But if you're at the 30, if you're at the 25, and it's third and 12, you've got to rely on your kicker to make a 45-yarder or a 40-yarder. Yep. And that's what it's going to come down to. And their guy's money and State's guy's not. Um uh, but to me, it's going to come down to Peyton Thorne. If Peyton Thorne has time, if he's got, you know, if he's making plays to his wide receivers, um, this could be a really good game. Um, that being said, the offensive line for Michigan State has been atrocious. Michigan's defense has been really good. I have Michigan winning 31 to 10. Um, so kind of the same thing you. I mean, like winning by 21, but, yeah. but still, I don't think Michigan is going to put up that many points. I mean, I, shit, 31's a, a good amount of points, but I, I just don't see Spartans. Sparty, you know, scoring points on that defense uh, just because they're really good in the offensive line. So, um, lastly, you know, who is going to be the GOAT in the GOAT of this game? And by GOATs, I mean the one that balls out, the greatest of all time in this game, and then the opposite, the GOAT, the one that is to blame for the loss. I'm going to say Blake Corum for Michigan. Yeah. And I'm just As the player of the game. Play the game, yep. yep. And I'm just going to say the whole defense. Uh, I don't think we're going to stop Blake Corum. I yeah. think he's going to run all over us. 
and like you said, they have long drives, so they might not put up a ton of points because they have they're capable of getting eight nine minute drives. Yeah, but it's like CC football. Yeah, the defense isn't gonna hold up, especially not all game. So I would say the our offense might put up points, but the defense is gonna let us down. I got Mike Morris for Michigan as being like one of the stars of the game. I think that you know he could have um, a really solid game. He's had a really a really solid year so far. I love the way he plays. Um, he's a gamer. Um, and then, like, bad goat, the one to blame is Peyton Thorne. I just think that the offensive line, I guess you could throw the OL in there too, but, you know, he, he, I think he might have two picks. I think he might have a pick six. I think that he's just not going to be able to get the ball to his wide receivers, and not by, you know, his fault, you know, by the fault of the offensive line. But, you know, who's always looked at? It's the quarterback, right? Like, did the quarterback have a good game? So, I, I I hope Michigan State yeah, wins. Yeah, obviously we hope we're wrong. Yes, but I think we're more realistic than anything, um, you know, like when it comes to our team. So hopefully it's a good game. 7.30 ABC on Saturday night um, at the Big House. I'm sure the whole country will be watching, but you already know the host of the Jock of All Trades podcast will be watching as well. So as we segue into, we're still sticking on the topic of college football, but segueing into from a national standpoint now that we've covered uh, U of M and Michigan State for the first segment. Um, there are some really good games this week. Well, there's good games every weekend, but the first game that came to mind was number two Ohio State is on the road um, going to uh, Happy Valley, taking on number 13. I don't know why they're still number 13, but I digress. Penn State. Um, I don't know why this isn't a night game, and I don't know why this isn't a whiteout. This is um, a noon game on Fox. Um, it, I mean, which that's, makes no sense to me. That's Fox's thing. They're taking over all these big games for their big noon kickoff. No one wants to see a noon game. They want them all at night. And that, I mean, is a huge advantage to Ohio State. Um, yeah, they're going on the road to Happy Valley, and typically it's really hard to play there. Ohio State, to me, is the best team in the country from, you know, top down, from offense, defense, special teams. They're, they're just the most complete. Um, Michigan just put up 400 rushing yards on Penn State, and I think Michigan's offense is a – um, an identical twin to Ohio State um, with the running game and the passing game. So I have Ohio State bearing them. The line's at 15 and a half. Oh, what are yeah. your thoughts on that game? I agree. Uh, Ohio State's going to win. Penn State might put up a few points. And by a few, I mean like 20-plus, but Ohio State's not going to be stopped on no. offense. They're going to continue to put up 50 points. Granted, they stay healthy. And I like Ohio State. I, I enjoy watching Ohio State. Um, Next is my game uh, that I'll be watching at 12 o'clock um, at the Dome in Syracuse. Notre, unranked Notre Dame, 4-3. and three. Uh, It's taking on number 16, Syracuse. is coming off of a really tough loss. They got hosed, by the way, against Clemson. Those refs, Dabo, I don't know what he does to these people. But, <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it's, uh, there was another game this year that Clemson played. I'm drawing a blank where they, they should have lost, and, and the refs screwed the, you know, screwed the opponent. But... Syracuse is favored by two and a half. This game started, Notre Dame was favored by a point and a half, and it's flipped three. Syracuse is now favored. You know, the offenses, and I watched some tape today on both teams while well, I watched Notre Dame every game, but Syracuse, their offenses are identical. They, they have a really good rushing game. They have a mediocre pass game, really big offensive line. So their offenses are really identical. They have a really good defense, bro. Their, their defense is number one in the ACC. They only give up 15 points a game, which is insane. Notre Dame's given up like 23. Um, I'm not giving a prediction on this game. I don't know what to think. I, I pray and hope Notre Dame wins, but it wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse wins. 
What do you think? It's going to come down to Notre Dame's quarterback. Um, who has, again, it's a backup quarterback, Drew Pine, who's, yeah. I mean, he's been like Peyton Thorne. He's been very unimpressive. You know, he's not terrible, but he's not like, wow, like, like he's a stud, you know? Um, Notre Dame has a good defense, though, and I think if they can stop, because Syracuse's quarterback likes to run, if they can stop that, I think Notre Dame can win this game. We'll see. I mean, hopefully 87, Michael Mayer, the best tight end in the country by far, um, has another great game. He played great uh, last week, and hopefully he can do that again this week. Um, uh, Florida, unranked Florida. Um, I put this on the show sheet because they're going to Athens to play number one Georgia. Georgia's favored by 22 and a, and a, um, 22 and a half. And I don't know why this game kind of, this is the cocktail party, isn't it? Isn't Florida, Florida Georgia the cocktail? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, I mean, they're favored by three touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy in, in, in a rivalry game. And I guess it's not crazy because Michigan's favored by the same. But, like, this game kind of gives me, like, uh, like sirens going off. It could be an upset. What do you think? I don't know if it'll be an upset. I could see it being closer than expected. Um, Florida covering the spread. But yeah. Georgia at home, I don't really see them losing this unless Richardson just has the greatest game of his life in the defense you know, learns how to play defense. Yeah. Well, Georgia's, I mean, they're only allowing nine points a game, which is crazy. Number two in the country. They could guess at who's number one in the country out of the Big Ten. And they're not playing in Ann Arbor this weekend. Iowa? Illinois. Illinois. Number one in the country on defense, allowing 8.9 points per game. Michigan's number three in the country, by the way. But Michigan's also played three high schools. So um, with Georgia being the number two, like the number two defense in the country, I mean, they're only allowing 80 yards rushing and um, uh, 165 yards passing. Just stupid, stupid numbers. And again, they lost, I think, six guys to the draft on defense alone last yeah. year. I think six. And their defense is still number two. That, that's amazing. Kirby Smart's done a great job there. I think Georgia wins. I don't think they cover. Oklahoma State, the Pokes, going to number 22, Kansas State. And the Pokes are, by the way, their top 10 team, number nine. Kansas State, favored at home. By one and a half over number nine Oklahoma State, this could be one of the best games of the weekend. And I say that because two really good quarterbacks, two really good offenses, two really good coaches. Um, this could be that typical Big 12, 55-52 game. You know, 49-45. Who do you think you know comes out on on, on top of this one? Because this is going to be a really good game. I'm surprised Kansas State's favorite. I see Oklahoma State winning this. I think they're going to outscore them. Kansas State has a good defense, only allowing 19 points a game. But Oklahoma State puts up 45, and I think it's going to turn into a shootout that Oklahoma State's going to win. Well, so this they're both tied atop the Big 12. They're both 3-1. And, one. Um, and uh, you know, Kansas State is 5-2. and two, Oklahoma State 6-1. and one. So this could be a big thing for the playoff, to be honest with you, because um, if Kansas State upsets Oklahoma State, that pretty much – takes out both of them, I would think. I would think that TCU would have a career road to the playoff if, you know, if they went out. So that is most definitely a game to watch. I would agree with you, though. Oklahoma State comes out on top. Um, number 19, Kentucky, at number 3, Tennessee. Tennessee favored by 12.5, which scares me because Tennessee's number 3 team in the country. They just beat Alabama. They're only favored by 12.5. That's scary to me. My buddy Antonio sent me Tennessee's jerseys for Saturday. It's a night game in Knoxville. It's the black All blacks. Yeah. Bro, so sick. Yeah. And I, I said to him, I, I hope Kentucky wears those chrome helmets 
those like ones that shine up. I think that would, that would really be sick, like under the lights. Um, I'm going to go first. I think Mark Stoops pulls it off. I think Mark Stoops, I think Tennessee, Hen and Hooker's had an amazing year. Um, I don't think they're as good as what they have advertised. You know, granted, they did put 52 up on Alabama, um, but that was a, uh, a win that's been coming for 15 years. Mark Stoops always seems to pull off these games, like these games at opponents, um, prime time, um, you know, upsetting a team and ruining their season. Give me Kentucky. Give me Kentucky. Who do you got in this game? I'm on the other side. I think Tennessee wins. They average 50 points a game. You know, it's at home. I feel like they just have all the advantages. So unless it's just a letdown game after that Bama game, which is, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. I think Tennessee should take care of business at home. Ole Miss at Texas A&M, going down to College Station. Ole Miss, tough loss last week. Um, uh, they're favored by two at College Station. Like, can we just talk about Texas A&M real quick? Because, you know, it came out either yesterday or today that, you know, like everybody knows about their bought and paid for recruiting class last year. Every, everybody knows that, you know, even though Jimbo went out and had his press conference, you know, uh, condemning Nick Saban for what he said, everybody knows they went out and paid for these guys. Three of those six five-star incoming freshmen suspended indefinitely. One of them came out and said they're transferring today. Mm -hmm. um, Jimbo is uh, three and four this year, I think. Um, they still have to play Ole Miss this weekend. They got to play Florida. They got to play Auburn, and they got to play Louisiana State. I mean, those could be four losses. He could be three and eight. Um, uh, or and 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 then I think they play UMass in there, so they should beat UMass. But then. They also lost to App State, so who knows? Um, uh, I mean, I love Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin hates Jimbo Fisher. You know, give me Ole Miss. They're only favored by two, um, but I think Ole Miss could. And they're coming off a loss. Ole Miss is going to be pissed. Like, give me. Um, uh, I, th I think they're the Rebels. Give me the Rebels by twenty-five. I take Ole Miss too. And back to what you were saying about Texas A&M. So all those recruits that they bought and paid for. They also bought advisors for them, which are basically agents, yep. as they described it. Those agents are now telling those players to transfer out of the school. Mm -hmm. So the people they paid for for these students are telling them, get the hell out of here. Yep. That program is in shambles. And, and you saw the buyouts, like the buyouts stuff. Did I send you that for, for Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, 90 like, million. I mean, for like if they fire him this year, like they have to pay him like $86 million. And He's then insane. if they fire him next year, like seventy five million, and then twenty five, or uh, it's like sixty million, yeah. like flat out, like it's in the contract, which is absolutely insanity, um, crazy stuff. Um, so just talking about the rankings real quick, like those are all the, the the really solid games that I saw this weekend. You know, on top of obviously Michigan, Michigan State. Um, uh, a couple of questions for you about the rankings. Do you think Ohio State should be ranked over Georgia, or, or is that like splitting? You know, you know, cold milk. Is that uh, is it one and two and they could be interchangeable, or do you think Ohio State's better than Georgia? I think Georgia's better. Um, Ohio State really hasn't played anyone tough. They played Notre Dame, but Notre Dame hasn't been what we expected. Yeah, been bad. You know, Georgia played Oregon week one, and they, they won by 50. Oregon's a top-ten team, though, aren't they? Yeah, they're a top-ten team now. So That's what I'm saying. I think... I always take out the, you know, the, like the first week of the season, you know, yes, Ohio State beat Notre Dame, but Notre Dame kept it close. You see what Notre Dame is now. They're not a good team. Yeah. But it's the first, you know, that, that, that first game of the year, it's always kind of like you want to play a really hard game like to get that opponent out of the way because you have a better chance to win. Um, 
Um, you know, once these coaches and coordinators and analysts get their eyes on three or four games on film, you know what teams are. Um, but I, I think Ohio State's better than Georgia, um, offensively for sure. Um, Definitely. Not defensively, but again, are you winning a game against Ohio State uh, 17-10, or are you winning a game, you know, 52-49? And I, I think it's going to be a boat race if those teams played, and Ohio State just has a better offense. To me. We'll know a lot more in two weeks when Tennessee visits Georgia. That's yeah. going to be a good game. Oh, no doubt. Um, wow, I forgot about that. That's going to be a really good game. Um, I think Tennessee and U of M are interchangeable as well. Tennessee's currently ranked third, Michigan fourth. Clemson beat Syracuse, and again, they got lucky, but there, there is a really serious quarterback problem there um, in Clemson. I think the first and second ranked teams, it's a clear difference between three and four, and I think there's a clear difference between five. And the number 16, Alabama, you can't tell me Alabama's not better than Clemson. Maybe you, Michigan. You can't tell me they're better than Michigan. So um, you, you got to prove it on the field. And Michigan hasn't. To, to, to beat Alabama, they haven't proven it to me. And neither Clemson surely hasn't. Um, but they're Clemson, and they're unbeaten, and, you know, they're fifth. And, you know, they still got to play Notre Dame. They still have a couple tough games left, so we'll see what they are. Um, talking about one-loss teams, and – and, you know, the, the current top one-loss teams, you've got Alabama is ranked sixth or seven and one. You've got Oregon six and one. Like you said, they got smoked by Georgia. But, again, throw that away. It's the first week of the year. They're undefeated since. Oklahoma State, really, really dangerous team. They're ninth at six and one. USC, another dangerous team. I think it stopped there. Wake Forest and UCLA, Penn State. I think the, all three of those teams are really overrated. Um, so out of... Alabama, Oregon, Oklahoma State, and USC. Um, who has the best chance to make the playoff, do you think? It's got to be Alabama. You know, name brand, SEC. If they win out, right? They control their own destiny. Yeah, they, they still have a chance to go to the SEC championship. Well, they're likely going to go to the SEC championship, yeah. and if they win that, they're they right in the Georgia? playoff. Yeah. Um, it could and that's be... going to be two SEC teams then, because Georgia's going to be right there with them unless they lose along the way. Uh I would totally agree. I had Bama down um, if they went out. Um, I'll be curious to see if U of M and Ohio State are both undefeated uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And if U of M wins, does Ohio State go as well? You know, um, I think if Ohio State wins, I don't think Michigan goes just because of their schedule. Um, you know, you look at an Alabama, a one-loss Alabama over a one-loss Michigan and you compare those schedules, I mean, come on, man. Um, uh, USC scares me, too, because USC, if, if they went out and there's a couple one-loss teams there, or if somehow Tennessee loses, you know, this weekend in Kentucky and USC wins out, you know, um, uh, it's going to be really interesting, but I totally agree with you. If Alabama wins out, I think, oh, I mean, I know they're in the playoff because um, they would, you know, trump Georgia because they beat them in the oh, SEC yeah. championship. I never really liked the timing of games either because I feel like Michigan beating Ohio State or vice versa the last game of the year kind of screws the team that loses because Oregon lost to Georgia the first game of the year, but if Oregon wins out and yeah. wins the Pac-12, That's very true. they played them the first week, but it, what if they would have played Georgia week 12, yeah. you know? So the whole timing of stuff, and I hate Michigan, so I don't really care, but it's kind of like, you know, just because you lose the last game of the season, I mean, you should take all games into account, you know? Um, yeah. That's just me, though. Um so that kind of wraps up our college football talk. We're really excited about Michigan, Michigan State this weekend. Go Irish in Syracuse. Go Green in Ann Arbor um, this weekend. Hopefully we'll be reporting back in a week or two with some positive news there. 
So me and Mike are big fans of the NBA. Our last segment here is, you know, focused solely around the NBA. Um, okay, so, you know, there's only been, you know, three or four games so far in the NBA. Um, uh, right now, you know, you've watched games. Who are your top two teams in the East and West? Because I, I think this is really interesting right now, like the state of the NBA. So, like, who, like who you got as your top two teams? And it doesn't need to be one and two, but from what you've seen so far and just like based on depth and talent in the Eastern Conference? I'm going to go with the Bucks and the Celtics. You know, Bucks have Giannis. They got Chris Middleton. I mean, they're just stacked. They they're always deep. are. And then Boston, you know, they coming off NBA Finals appearance. Tatum, Smart, Jalen Brown, Horford. They're loaded. They're going to continue to be a force in the East. And honestly, they- isn't Marcus Smart? Isn't it? Jalen Smart. Jalen Brown, Marcus Jaylen Smart. Brown. Oh, okay, yeah. Marcus Smart, I saw a stat yesterday. Marcus <clears throat> Smart on defense, bro. One thing, and we're going to get to the Pistons, one thing we're lacking is defense, obviously. The, the dude is, I mean, unbelievable on defense. And um, you and I don't compare notes like before. Like, we send each other the topics, but we come up with our own content and kind of compare. I have Milwaukee 1, Boston 2, the same exact as you. Uh, Milwaukee's depth and experience and the leadership of the honest, and we're going to get to the top players in the NBA and – He's one of them. Um, and then, like, like, the Celtics are just playing great. Which, you know what amazes me, though, is is when Udoka, the coach, got suspended for the year, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that might screw up their locker room. Um, I, I, I don't know the gentleman's name, uh, but the guy that stepped in and it's kind of run the show, like, the players love him. Yeah, um, so, good, too. Yeah, so, like, I definitely have – I'm told I'm in lockstep with you. Um, when it comes to the West – we might be differing on these, but like, like your top two teams in the West and why? I think it's the Warriors and the Suns. You know, Warriors fresh off the title, still have Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole really stepped up. Draymond's great at defense, and they have you got Wiseman, you got Kaminga. Yeah, they have I a mean, ton of young guys so who are bro. still contributing. So I think they're going to be. Yeah, they. Great they this year. I mean, they're two and two right now, which means nothing, but they have the depth, more depth I think than Milwaukee. But you know, when you have you know, that core there, plus the young talent that they Three have. Three amazing shooters on that team. Yeah. And, and Wiggins. We didn't even mention Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Um, the number two would be the Suns. Devin Booker's good. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's good. Aiton's good. So as long as they continue to mesh well and play together, I think they're going to be... Yeah, they'll be a top four team in the West. Finals. Yeah, I mean, like, the West is really good. Um, you know, Portland's been playing great. They're 4-0. Um to me, my top two teams in the West are Golden State is one, but Memphis is two. And I say Memphis because, like, you look at somebody like John Morant and then the depth that they've added around him and the pieces, and that dude just electrifies a team and he electrifies a stadium. And he's like, he's like a, a, a heart, right? He's like a heartbeat. And, like, when he's the heartbeat of that locker room, that stadium, that city, and he's just so electric and he's so humble and um, – I just love what Memphis has done. They got a really young owner who's just really put a lot of money into that team and stadium. I really like Memphis a lot. Two teams I want to throw out there, though. New Orleans, the Zion, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram trio yeah, yeah. is really freaking good. Yeah. I okay, like and Zion looks amazing, like, like, like body-wise. He, he, looks gr- he looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lost weight. Um, he put on muscle. Like, he, he looks great. Um, uh, and Brandon Ingram, I've always loved, and, and obviously adding C.J. McCollum was huge. Minnesota, I love too. I love Anthony Edwards. I love Rudy Gobert. I love Carl Anthony Towns. 
Do they have D'Angelo Russell too? Yeah, they do. They do. Um, I, I, I think Minnesota could be uh, a five or six in the West, and they could cause problems for a three or four. My only problem with Minnesota is Towns and Gobert side by side. I don't know how that's going to play out because they're both two true centers. I don't know how that's going to play out through the season, but like you said, I'll see them being a top six team. But. Okay, so question for you. So when Rashid and Ben were here, because I compare them to those two, and here's why. So Rashid was a four, Ben was a five. Yeah, but Rashid was really a five. And I think Carl Anthony Towns could be that four like Rashid. He's got that step-back jumper. He's got the same body and build. He's got the game for it. He's got the handles. I mean, I when I look at Carl Anthony Towns, I see a young Rashid Wallace. Not not the personality-wise, but like skill-wise. Yeah. Is that dumb? No, no, I can see that. So, like, I that, that's what I think. And Rudy Gobert is, I mean, uh, nothing like Ben Wallace, but, like, like we kind of had that here of, like, two really big guys that could both play the five. Um, ben couldn't shoot, obviously, so you know, I, that's why Rashid. can't shoot. Right. <laughs> so and he gets 20 rebounds a game, and defensive player of the year is in the talk all the time. Two more points. You know, the L.A. Clippers were getting so much hype, like they always do. And I, I think the L.A. Clippers are cursed like the Lions. I, I don't think, yes, Kawhi Leonard is a great player. Paul George is a great player. But he's they only going to play team. half the games this year. He's no, of course. Play. Of course. They always does. They'll um, be a 6-7 seed, and they're going to make a run in the playoffs, but we'll see how far that actually goes. They're cursed like the Lions. They're always hyped, and there's, n- there's never anything there. Um, and you and I talked earlier about the Lakers. Bro, I mean... Between the Clippers and Lakers in Tinseltown, um, that Laker team, whatever LeBron was doing, because he, like you know LeBron's the GM of that team. Yeah. Um, I mean, who do they have on that roster? No, it's it's terrible. I mean, you have one of the best players in the league in, in, in Davis, right? And obviously LeBron. But even he hasn't looked that great. No. I mean, LeBron, I mean, you know, Bron's always going to ball out. You know, he's, he's a you know, top 10 player in the league for sure. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the role players around them, Westbrook's just so he's, bad. I mean, but like, they have to get rid of him, but no one's going to take him. He's not only, yeah, because it's 40-some million to your yeah. cap. Uh, like, not only is he bad on the court, but, like, he doesn't go in, like, the pregame, like, huddle yeah, with the players. and I mean, it's toxic as hell. Like, what are they doing? Like, like Jeannie Buss, I, I, I don't read the L.A. Times, but I'm sure, you know, Bill Plaschke and the L.A. Times are just ripping the Lakers because they built a really bad team. Okay, so let's kind of transition to the top three players in each conference and why and I'll go first for the East since you went first team-wise. And, um, you know, Giannis, I think, is one for me. Um, you know, and I'm not even going to rank them one, two, three, but Giannis, Tatum, and, and i got to throw Kevin Durant in there. And just because Kevin Durant is just a specimen, he's really freaking good. Jason Tatum, through the first few games, has been dominating at Boston, which I'm happy to see because I like Jason Tatum a lot. Um, uh, and then Giannis is, I think, the best, I mean, one of the best players in the league for sure. Just he's... He's a leader of that team. He produces every night. He's going to give you, you know, 28, 30 points a game. He's going to give you eight or nine, um, you know, assists. He's going to give you 10 to 12 rebounds. He's just a re- he's a presence. And, you know, the team around him, and they just have a really good culture there. So those are my top three in the East. Who do you got? Please well, don't say the same thing. I had the same three, but why don't I throw out Donovan Mitchell there? You know, oh. he's averaging yeah, 33 maybe. points a game, five rebounds, seven assists. He's shooting 42% from three. Like, those yeah. are... He's having a good year so far. He's in a crowded locker room. You know, he's got a lot of good players in Cleveland. They, they might be a good team they're this building, year. They're building something for sure. Yep, no doubt. Um, you know, one other one to throw in there, and I can't stand him, but it's it's Kyrie Irving. I mean, you know, he's going to be, you know, the whole 
it's not going to work in Brooklyn. It's it's not going to. Um, but uh, they're both really two. I mean, they're t- two of the best players in the league ever. I mean, two top 100 players for sure. Um, Philadelphia is having a good year. Um, I, I would like to see Philly. I really like Tyrese Maxey. I like Joel Embiid. James Harden seems to be fitting in there well. They have depth. They got Tobias Harris, and like they have a really good team in Philly. I wouldn't be surprised if they do well. Um, yeah, I hope they do well. I like them. What about the Hawks? Are, are the Hawks in the East? They are in the East. I Trey don't Young like has Hawks. had a really good year so far too. I don't like the Hawks. I don't think they're going to be much of a. They'll make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win. No, no. First round. Hell no. Like always. No, but I mean Trey Young. You can't. You can't deny him. Um, you know, when it comes to the West, I kind of you know. Um, you know, tooted his horn earlier, but John Morant to me is the best player. I, I think I shouldn't say best player, the most electric, the most effective player in in the whole league right now. I think um, he just brings a presence. Um, I think Luka Doncic is a specimen. Um, I love watching him play basketball. He's so freaking talented, and um, he's fun to watch. I wish I could watch more, but they're on the West Coast, and um, and then three, it's Stephen Curry. I think that. You know, I was having this debate with um, a few of my buddies a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I saw Charles Barkley and Shaq and Kenny and um, uh, and Kenny um, uh, talking about this, you know, the top players ever. And Shaq asked Chuck and, and Kenny Smith, if Steph wins two more, is he a top three player ever? And if you get six titles and he's the best shooter ever, I agree. I, I, I have Steph Curry in my top five right now. Um, yeah. If he wins two more championships, um, he's in that discussion for me. I agree. Um, totally so, agree. And, and he, he's a leader and he's developed, he, he's put a culture there that, you know, whatever, you know, personalities they get, you, you know, put Draymond aside, obviously. Um, they buy into that culture there. So for me, it's Ja, Luca, and Steph. I'm with you on Luca and Steph, but my third has to be Nikola Jokic. I mean, back to back MVP. Didn't even think about him, bro. That's crazy. Continues to put up dominant numbers, and he's he's the reason Denver's good. He's the reason Denver makes. That's a I great mean, they call. Were like a I totally forgot three about Jokic. last no. year or something no like that. No doubt. I mean, they're good. They're a really good team, especially with him leading it. Yes, yeah. I, I, he can shoot. He can do it all. That's a great pull. I. I like, do we have any like honorable mentions in there? As far as as far, I mean, the West is loaded. I mean, you you, you talked about the Suns earlier. Devin Booker's really good. He, he's gonna score, you know, 25, 30 points a game. Um, Damian uh, Lillard. I mean, they're four zero. He's finally got a squad around him. I mean, let's cheer for Portland this year because Portland has had nothing to cheer about. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, you know, you, you got you got guys like. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander down in Oklahoma City that I feel terrible for because he doesn't have anyone around him, but he's really good. Um, uh, you got De'Aaron Fox, Sacramento's a, I mean, that's like the Lions. I mean, it's a dumpster fire. You got nobody around you. Um, you got LeBron putting up 27. Oh, Brown, yeah, absolutely. 11 and 7. I mean, he's nearly averaging a triple-double. So let's talk about our team. Um, uh, you know, we are, we're obviously here in Detroit. We're obviously, I don't want to speak for Mike, but I'm, I'm really excited about, um, I'm, 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 I'm really excited about the Pistons because, I think they're building something. Um, what are they building? We don't know that yet. They're one in three currently. Their defense, they're putting up like, I mean, they're giving up 120 points a game or something crazy. Like they're, uh, it, it, it's bad. Um, but they have, like they have pieces and they, you know, they, they like they beat Orlando the first game of the year and, and they're on a three game losing streak. Um, streak. Um, 
the two draft picks this year with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. Jalen Duran has been a presence. It's awesome to see. He's the youngest player in the NBA. Um, I think he's got a really bright future. Um, we obviously have Cade Cunningham, who's a, probably a top 20, 25 player in the league. Um, uh, what are you expecting? So my first question to you is, is, what are you expecting out of the Pistons this year, knowing you know, they're, I think they're the youngest team in the league um, and knowing that they're still building, like, what are you looking for them to do? Like, what do you want to see? I want to see them make the play-in game. Wow. You know, I, <clears throat> we need a lot of improvement. You mentioned the defense. That's, I mean, offensively, we're good. We have playmakers, Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay can shoot, Durin, Bogey. Bogey, yeah, Bogey's a lights-out shooter. I mean, yeah. it's, have we pieces. have offensive pieces. He comes back healthy. We have offensive pieces, but I don't know if the defense will hold up. So will we have improvement from last season? Will we be fighting for one of the playing spots? And you know, that's really you know, what I'm looking for. Like you know, they got to get to like 40 wins, like for a plan. Well, luckily and, and, the and, East and, is a little and, worse. But and we yeah, had 20. We had 23 last year. Yeah, that's going to be a major improvement. Yeah, and, and they're one and three. So I mean, um, I agree with you. I was expecting them to make a plan. Um, you know, are they going to compete? I just want to see them compete and play, you know, quality basketball. You know, see Cade Cunningham take that rookie year and go to be like, okay, he is a Lamella Ball, a Trey Young, uh, like a really good, effective player in the East, right? Um, and then is Jaden Ivey that explosive guy? I'm not comparing him to John Morant, but that kind of a player, that guy that can electrify a stadium with a big dunk or the explosiveness or a big play. Um, I think Bogdanovich has been a great add, and I hope we keep him. Um, he, he's that he's that Kyle Korver piece to me. He's the guy that's going to get you 18 to 20 a game. He's going to make you know four or five threes. He's that guy for me. Um, Jalen Duran has, has a, exceeded my expectations. If they get Bagley back, that would be huge. Isaiah Stewart's been great. I, I know you, you aren't a fan of Isaiah, but he, he's played well. Um, so I want to see them compete. Do I think they're going to get to that 40 like like that 40 win mark? No. Neither do I. Um, I would. I mean, if they get to 35, I would be... I would in, exceed my expectations for sure. Yeah. I'm hoping for 30. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if they were at 30, I'd be like, oh, man. Um, but at the same time, let's win 15 games and tank for that really good... Yeah, but I, but, I mean, if they only win 15 games this year, man, like, what... <laughs> I mean, we got the Lions here. We got the Tigers. There was a terrible year. The Lions are one and four, one and five. Red Wings uh, will be good. Yeah, like the Red Wings. But like here in Michigan, it's like Jesus. It's like, tough. can we please get a team that we can actually root for? Very so, tough to be a Detroit sports fan right now. We'll see what happens with the Pistons. We just kind of wanted to give you like a, a, our our quick opinions on the NBA. So, uh, once again, Michigan, Michigan State, seven thirty, ABC on Saturday. Um, go green. Go white, man. I, I pray and hope Tuck can pull it off and. You know, stick it to the, uh, you know, those U of M, uh, you know, Walmart Wolverines and the and all, all those liberals in Ann Arbor. And um, we'll see what happens. We're definitely praying for a win here. So for Mike and Rob, I uh, hope you guys have a good night and we will talk to you in a week or so.